my personality to be jittery. It's part of my charm. Wrestling fans, are you ready? It's time for my one, two, three cents of the podcast on the Jittery Monkey Podcasting Network. Give me the hell yeah! Now, here's your host. The man is also a very long, dear, personal friend of mine. Does the guy have a name? Yes, he has a name. Kevin Huntsberger. Woo! If you've dreamed of becoming a professional wrestler, it's time to make that dream a reality. The Stride Pro Wrestling Training Academy is now enrolling new students. Classes meet on Tuesdays and Thursday nights from 6 to 8 p.m. for just $60 per month. Be sure to check out the Stride Pro Wrestling Facebook page at facebook.com slash stridepro-wrestling and get enrolled now. WWF superstars competing in the Royal Rumble for the undisputed WWF Championship, including Jake the Snake Roberts, the Barbarian, the model Rick Martel, the Berserker, Rowdy Roddy Piper, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, Nasty Boy Sags, Repo Man, Sergeant Slaughter, alleged real world champion Ric Flair, Hercules, Colonel Mustafa, the Macho Man, Randy Savage, Skinner, the British Bulldog, Baby Boy Smith, the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, Haku, Shawn Michaels, the Warlord, El Matador, Sid Justice, IRS, Nikolai Volkov, the Texas Tornado, Virgil, the Undertaker, the Big Boss Man, Greg the Hammer Valentine, Superfly Snooker, and the Immortal Hulk Hogan. It's time to rumble! It's time for the Royal Rumble! Hey friends, welcome to episode 375 of the My One Two Three Cents podcast. And as you can guess by that little sound clip, we are talking about the 1992 Royal Rumble. A 30-year anniversary just passed us. And by we, of course, I mean Chad Smart, who is the unfortunately second oldest guy I know that follows wrestling still. So I had to give him a call and reminisce about the 92 Rumble. Chad, welcome aboard. Welcome. And as we record this, I can't hear whatever clips you're going to put in later. So I hope that clip at the beginning was a clip of the Bushwhackers and Jameson. <laughs> uh, spoiler alert, it was not. Um, or it's not. Yeah, it's not. Anyway, <laughs> you threw me off there. But um, let me let me let's set the table. Uh, I, I am kind of we're going to kind of do a deeper dive and we're going to talk about the Royal Rumble match itself. Mostly, but we're going to throw in some stuff as well about the actual card, uh, the undercard. Uh, I think we both went back and watched at least the Rumble match itself uh, this week to prep for uh, for this podcast. So where were you in terms of uh, your wrestling fandom uh, in 1991, 1992, when really this Ric Flair run in the WWF gets underway? Yeah, I mean, I was a huge fan. I was a senior in high school. 
so dateless probably um and you know i remember i wasn't watching primetime wrestling that night but i remember my cousin calling me and being like bobby heenan just had the nwa title on primetime and he's like and then when flair showed up he's like you know um and, and and going back and watching the show i was trying to remember what was going on at this time because this was pre-monday night raw so you still would have had you know your syndicated shows were your main sources of story advancement yeah and and, and so the, yeah that you know I'm, I'm trying to think through this and i don't remember when i first saw the rumble i don't i want to say someone that i knew taped it and then we watched it was friends later on like within the week but i know i did not watch it live but yeah i was definitely a fan watching you know as i said on the show before i was more a wcw fan than i was wwf and so i i enjoy wwf but um yeah it was just interesting to see piper or not piper but flair coming into wwf and something that we never thought we would see and we'd hope that we'd get the Hogan Flair battle, which uh, we'll go into more a little bit later on, but we'll, we'll get more into that. So I remember, and I'm going to go, I'm going to, like I said, this is going to be a deeper dive. So it was uh, the summer of 91. I had just graduated from high school. And dateless. dateless as Chad was, <laughs> if only we knew each other back then. Um, and my family and another family, we had gone on vacation to Florida. Uh, that summer, it was this uh, summer before I was going to go off to college. And I remember getting a long story, but I, we, buddy of mine, we went out for lunch that, that, that afternoon. Uh, I passed out in the restaurant, hit my head on the floor, was hauled out by ambulance. They did CAT scans and checked all this stuff. And it turned out I, it was an inner ear thing and equilibrium. Anyway, I was fine, but I was told to take it easy and so I stayed in the hotel and I remember watching WCW Saturday night and they ran a crawl. Like the program had obviously already been pre-recorded, but there was like late breaking news. And I guess this was probably leading up to the great American bash. And they ran a crawl because it was supposed to be Lex Luger and Ric Flair. Flair was allegedly going to drop the championship to Luger. I don't know, but they ran a crawl that said that due to contractual disagreement, Ric Flair would not be competing at the Great American Bash, blah, blah, blah. And I remember thinking it was all kind of a work. Fast forward, you know, several weeks, and I'm watching Wrestling Challenge before I head off to college. And the show ends with Bobby Heenan, Gorilla Monsoon, and Jim the Anvil Neidhart. And Bobby Heenan is holding the big gold belt. And you've heard the sound clip that's part of the intro for this podcast. Uh, and I was freaking out. I was so excited because I loved Ric Flair, but I was more, like you said, you were more of a WCW. I, you know, we were both wrestling fans, but I was more of a WWF guy. And so to see Flair coming in was amazing to me. And then, of course, he gets there and feuds with Piper and calls out Hogan. And I remember... Uh, I went to, to Southeast Missouri State University in Cape Girardeau, Missouri. They have a small arena over there called the Show Me Center. And in December of that year, of 1991, this, so no, there's no champion anymore. And we know that the Royal Rumble is coming up. But we do this show, and it is uh, the main event was Ric Flair versus Rowdy Roddy Piper. And Flair had the fake belt. 
you know, the, the old WWF tag team title that he was carrying around to pretend he was the real world's champion. And um, so it was setting the table for this dream. But let me ask you this about Ric Flair being in the WWF, because as I was watching the rumble, it really kind of started to resonate with me, you know, in WCW or the NWA Crockett promotions before all that, you know, it was Magnum TA and Dusty Rhodes and Tully Blanchard and Arn Anderson and the Midnight Express and the Rock and Roll Express. They were all like wrestlers and I'm using air quotes, not to disparage anyone, but then in the WWF, you've got the repo man and the big boss man and uh, you know, guys that were more cartoonish than they were wrestlers, although entertaining still, but, and, and good athletes, but seeing Ric Flair in there with some of those guys to me was a little bit jarring. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting to bring that up because I was just reading in the last week or so on a message board where uh, people were talking about growing up, whether they watched WWF or WCW or, you know, which one they got into first and how they viewed the opposite uh, promotion. Uh-huh. And I think that's where my fandom lying with the NWA and WCW is that it felt more like a legitimate sport. It, you know, it felt like you were going in there to wrestle and see who the best is. Whereas WWF, you know, you had Hulk Hogan's rock and wrestling. You had the, um, the whole entertainment tie-in. You had Mr. T coming in. And I think that was, it was more showy. And it was more sports entertainment, which is what they call it that. And so, yeah, with Flair coming in, I think, you know, maybe, you know, with Dusty coming in later and getting the polka dot treatment, you know, was that to make Dusty more WWF'd? Um, not, or, and with Flair, and at the time, and I think Vince McMahon has, you know, they, he and both he and Rick have said, like, Vince is a huge fan of Flair. So I think there was a little bit of respect in that regard to not, you know, give, make him cut his hair and change his name to Spartacus. And, you know, I think, and I think that's probably one of the reasons why Flair didn't last that long in the initial WWF run is because he, at that time, didn't fit that style. Right. Yeah, I agree. And we're going to, as we talk more about the Rumble itself and, and Flair's run, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that and, and may even continue. I, I'm feeling very nostalgic lately in doing these kind of deeper dives on, you know, the anniversary years this year, of course, being the 30 year anniversary of the Royal Rumble. Uh, we'll probably throughout, uh, throughout 2022 talk more about some of these uh, moments in, in history and, and kind of talk about how it's shaped or, you know, built into uh other parts of of the entertainment or the wrestling part of of our lives and and whatnot and you know i think 1992 was a very interesting year in that 91 and 92 and in that you know the hulk hogan run i feel like was was coming to uh you know he had some some small stops along the way but from 84 until 1992 he was really the dominant figure, even though in 90, they gave it to the warrior and in 88, it was, it was macho man, but Hogan was still, I always felt like Hogan was always still billed as the main attraction. I don't think that Randy Savage or the ultimate warrior, they were destined to fail or 
fail is probably not the right word, but they were not going to be mm-hmm. the true stars unless Hulk Hogan left the company. And going off to film a movie is one thing, but then, you know, look at the mega. And I, I do, I think it's still one of the greatest stories of all time is that buildup of the mega powers and then the explosion that happens between them. But again, we find Hulk Hogan back in the driver's seat. So uh, by 92, I think he's burned out. He's talked about being burned out. And they're teasing this whole retirement thing before WrestleMania 8. But before we even get there, you know, he loses the championship to The Undertaker at Survivor Series, wins it back eight or nine days later at this Tuesday in Texas, and gets stripped of it. So now that's why it's vacant and up for grabs in the Royal Rumble. Now, do you remember as the Royal Rumble buildup was happening, did you have a favorite pick? Did you did you think – because I, I, for me, and you were talking about when did you watch it, for me, my roommate in college I went to high school with, and he had a, the big satellite dish in the backyard like you had. Uh, and we'd go – I'd go over there and watch – you know, the big pay-per-views that were happening, you know, at the time, WrestleMania or something going on with uh, WCW. And then his mom recorded the Rumble and then mailed it to us. So it was like the old school Netflix style here. We're waiting for the VHS tape to arrive in the mail a couple of days later. And I, I can't remember because the Rumble was on, that Rumble, I believe, was on a Sunday. Might have been a Saturday. But anyway, I can't remember because that Monday was MLK Day. I know there was a prime time wrestling on, but I don't know if we were watching it at that time. Cause we didn't have cable in our, in our dorm rooms and you had to fight the other 30 people on your floor for the TV control. And he and I were really the only two wrestling fans on the floor. So I don't remember if, if it was spoiled per se, or if we actually got a copy of that VHS and watched it and saw it all unfold. But I thought Hulk Hogan, was going to win it again and then set up for a match with flair at wrestlemania yeah i know flair was my pick to win mm-hmm. because just being a flair mark but going back to what you were talking about earlier with you know with savage winning and the warrior winning i thinking about it today part of why i think hogan was so was a champion for so long or in there is that there, there wasn't anybody else on the roster who could believably be champion. And I mean, there were guys in there that, yes, you know, huge guys, superstars, but they just didn't have the aura of Hogan or Savage or Warrior and, and just wasn't going to be there. So I think, you know, and I think that's something that has plagued WWF, WWE, you know, for the last 35 years is that they focus primarily on one person with, you know, a little bit of a cast of characters around them, but you know, it was Steve Austin. It was John Cena. It is Roman Reigns. It's like no one else is going to be above them. So you have that problem. But getting back to the question of, you know, who who I thought was going to win, I I expected I expected Hogan and Savage or Hogan and Flair to be the WrestleMania main event. Cause that at the time is your dream matchup. Sure. But I thought it would be Flair winning and then Hogan taking the title from him at Mania because, yeah, um, you know, it may, yeah, that's the story. Like, you know, you want your fans cheering at the end of the event and Hogan is your All-American champion vanquishing his uh, new rival. Now, I I talked about that house show I went to in Cape Girardeau where 
it was Rowdy Roddy Piper versus Ric Flair in the main event. Um, that same day, though, that afternoon, there was a matinee show in St. Louis. The main event was Hulk Hogan versus Ric Flair. I know that you had been to some shows in St. Louis. Were you at that show by any chance? No, my first WWF show was 96. That was the awesome oh. TV TV taping with the main event of Yokozuna versus Sid in a cage. Or Diesel in a cage. 95, yeah. Okay, I didn't realize that was your first. I, I, we've talked about it because we were both at that event, too. I, I didn't know if you had hit any other shows prior. Okay. So, um, you know, and there's – and, again, we're going to get to the WrestleMania portion of this. I guess let's let's go ahead and – I'm kind of bouncing all over the place, even though I actually prepare better for the <laughs> podcast than I usually typically do. But let's talk a little bit about the Royal Rumble itself – or the Royal Rumble card itself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know – and I don't know how much of it you watched and, and, and I don't care to spend a terrible amount of time on these things, but no, I watched the whole thing. So did you watch it all? Okay. So uh, the new foundation, Jim Neidhart and Owen Hart uh, beating the Orient Express. And I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it now. I feel like the commentary team of Bobby Heenan and Gorilla Monsoon, this was probably the best commentary duo show. I think, that I've listened to just because of the uh, the investment that Bobby Heenan had in it uh, from a character standpoint. And then the chemistry that he and Gorilla had, um, I really, really, I feel like, you know, again, you know, looking back and watching nostalgically 30 years later, that chemistry, you just can't beat it. I don't think. And it's just something that is very, uh, you know, kind of hits you right in the feels to hear their voices and they're arguing and, and and all that good stuff. So I, I, you know, I think if this wasn't the best commentary on a WWE WWF event, it's definitely in the top five for me. Yeah. And as someone who has learned to have selective hearing when it comes to commentary, because I find wrestling commentary to be borderline awful. The majority of the time in today's market across the board, um, I, I agree with you. And I listening to it when I watched it today is the fact that it wasn't overproduced. Right. You know, it wasn't catchphrases. It wasn't nicknamed, you know, it wasn't trying to get hashtags on social media. It was authentic play-by-play commentary that you would get from any other sports uh, program. And yeah, I, I mean, it did help in the context of the story, Bobby Heenan's relationship with Flair and him wanting Flair. And so that's being the ongoing, you know, like, oh, I got to go check on him. And Gorilla's like, no, sit down, do your job. Yeah. And then, you know, when you get to the rumble and the way Flair, you know, uh, it, it's, it's a kilt. It's not a skirt. You skirt wearing free, you know, it's just <laughs> the way that Heenan was. And, and I think that's what's missing in commentary is that now it is so uh, social media, it's social media commentary now where everything has to be a, a clip that you can shorten down and put on a tweet or, you know, a TikTok or whatever. Right. And yeah, that's, that's a good point. That is a good point. Uh, what'd you think of the new foundation? You know, uh, Jim Neidhart and Bret Hart, legendary tag team, probably one of the greatest tag teams mm-hmm. of all time. Uh, a storied run in the WWF. Obviously again, let's go back to the summer of 91. Bret Hart is going on his own and wins the Intercontinental Championship for Mr. Perfect at SummerSlam. 
So now that leaves the anvil kind of on commentary. Like I mentioned, he was doing commentary on that wrestling challenge that I saw. But, you know, I don't – I liked Jim Neidhart, but I never – you know, I think that everybody kind of does the, uh, you know, the rockers who break up prior to this event too and do that Jannetty-Michaels comparison. And obviously Bret Hart was the Michaels and, and – I think Neidhart was the Marty Jannetty. And that's not to say that he wasn't a good wrestler or entertaining, but I just don't think that he had obviously what Brett had. And then putting Owen into that role, Owen's still young in his career, uh, very athletic, very capable. But the new foundation, I think putting new in front of anything, I've yet to see anything in wrestling get the word new put in front of it that didn't uh, pretty much become a disappointment or a letdown. New, new Jack. Take rocks. Except new Jack. New, new Jack. Okay. okay, New Day and New Jack. Two exceptions. <laughs> I was trying to think, crack my brain real quick to try to see, but yeah. If it was an no. old day, then maybe New Day wouldn't have been good, but we'll see. Right. New New Rockers, New Blackjacks, New... New Midnight Express. Yes. The new... Newman. The yeah. New, yeah, the, when the new New Day comes out in <laughs> 40, then, uh, yeah. then, then we'll talk again. <laughs> Yeah, I you know I haven't watched a lot of Owen Hart matches lately, and last and I say lately I mean like the last twenty years. I just forget how great he was and how you know I think he here here's a hot take for you. He was ahead of his time. You know, had he come around in the early two thousands when the indie scene was really blowing up, you know, it would have been incredible. But uh, yeah, Nightheart is. Neidhart, he's there. He's, you know, he's always going to be the Janetti of the team, which I think the fact that Marty Janetti is used now as a verb to describe things is, you know, I would be happy with that if that was my legacy. But yeah, and then Orient Express is just a team that, you know, another good team, but especially in this WWF period, you knew they weren't going to go very far you know they were going to be serious contenders or champions so to me this that match was mainly just a standout to show how good owen was and um you know a few years later we would get the owen singles run after the uh teaming with coco beware as i'm trying to uh, high energy yeah well and i wonder too because and i i guess I, i did some research but not a ton of research but uh on this particular match but you know by wrestlemania which is just a couple months later owens in there in a singles match against skinner and i don't know if anvil had gotten fired or if he was injured or what the deal was and then later this year that team of high energy that you mentioned with coco beer what coco beware is formed so um yeah kind of a, a start and stop because i do think it felt like the new foundation was going to get kind of a push and and maybe be in that tag team spotlight and, 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 you know, maybe going after the gold as well, but it was, you know, they weren't, uh, they weren't very long for this world for sure. Mm-hmm. And then did you know, you know, that, that Orient Express was the old bad company of the AWA days. I mean, I know that now, but again, AWA was like my blind spot in eighties wrestling. It's like, I watched some of it, but I wasn't, I, I, other than knowing that they came from the show, the showboat in Las Vegas, that's about the only thing that 
I can tell you of memories of, of, of solid memories of AWA viewing back in the day. I was more Mid South WCW, um, and then of course Crockett. So you're no yeah. Bob Schulte. <laughs> <laughs> Bob Schulte, yeah. Uh, so in the next match, and, and you know, speaking of Owen Hart and and Jim Neidhart, Bret Hart was the Intercontinental Champion. He was set to defend against the Mountie, but is unable to. I've heard varying stories on this. Now, of course, storyline-wise, Brett has the flu, loses the Intercontinental Championship two nights prior to the Mountie, and is medically unclear to compete. That's the story they told during the show. I've heard reports that Bret Hart was in negotiations with WCW and was allegedly supposed to sign a contract and come over with the IC title, much like Flair had done six months earlier with the big gold belt. I don't know how much of that is factual, how much of that has become internet lore or whatnot, but this was just mentioned and talked about the other day on one of the Conrad podcasts. So that's why I bring it up and and mention it here, but to find a replacement for Bret Hart, you know, they always say when you, when you replace someone, especially someone of Bret Hart's caliber and in a championship match, you want to put someone in there that is equal to or better than the replacing, the replacee, if you will. Right. That's and why I go back to that house show that you and I attended in 95, where it was supposed to be Sid versus Diesel in a cage, and Sid was out injured, so they replaced him with Yokozuna <laughs> in a cage match, where the object is to climb over the cage. Yes. That, that was very memorable. We'll have to go back and watch that sometime, and and do a show on that one. That'd be fun. Um, but I think Rowdy Roddy Piper, they knocked it out of the park with him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people finding it hard to believe had never had a championship in WWE prior to this, um, of course, was, was, you know, breathing down Hulk Hogan's neck in 84, 85, going after the championship then. Um, but really, I feel like this was his first real uh, – opportunity of sorts to go after the intercontinental championship other than some house shows against uh tito santana back in the day when he was icy champ but piper wins it with the sleeper and i love the fact that not only did this happen but then they were also on commentary and again this is where that continuity comes in they're teasing and talking about the fact that piper may make history tonight because he's got a shot too at the wwe wwf championship later in the show so first I want to start with the story about why uh-huh. this match happened. And, and I, I am trying to remember, I know I read Piper's book. Um, I believe it's called in the pit with Roddy Piper. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I don't know if I'm remembering this correctly. Um, so I'm going to say there's like 50, 50 chance. What I'm about to say has some truth to it. And some of it may just be internet rumors I've read through the years and I'm piecing them together. So don't quote this as fact. But I know Piper had always said, claimed that he and Brett are cousins. They're like distant cousins somehow. And I think they wanted to wrestle each other at Mania. And so getting Brett to lose the title on a house show and then Piper winning it, then Piper would do the honors and drop the belt at Mania. And they would get, you know, a WrestleMania moment for them, which, I mean, sounds plausible somewhat. I don't know, but that's the story that I'm choosing to believe happened because uh, it makes for a good story. Yeah. Uh, you know, and kind of like Cody Rhodes being gone for two weeks. So they have to put an interim mm-hmm. champion in AEW. 
Brett lost the title 24 hours before the Rumble. You know, if, if it was a contract negotiation, unless his contract just ran out on Saturday night at midnight, mm-hmm. you know, why couldn't he drop it the next night at, at Rumble? Yeah. You know. So I don't know. It, it, it's interesting to me because, and not that the, the Rumble match itself wasn't star-studded and stacked, but there were some guys in there that I'm like, I would have rather seen Bret Hart mm-hmm. in the Rumble. Um, you know, he was the Intercontinental Champion. He had established himself as a single star. I mean, he had, had kind of start and stopped the single stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I was a little disappointed that he wasn't in the actual Rumble match itself. But, you know, I get it. And, and it made for a great story with Piper. And uh, one of the very few times that Rowdy Roddy Piper was actually pinned uh, in a WWF ring. So, um, Well, and it gave us the awesome rematch on Saturday night's main event between Piper and the Mountie where Piper wore his shockproof shirt to counterbalance the Mountie's shock stick. Was that Saturday night's main event? Okay. I remember that now. Yeah. That was the one leading up to WrestleMania. Yeah. Okay. I, I remember I was, yeah, I was in school and I remember we were <laughs> it was obviously a Saturday night we were out and I remember I wanted to get back to watch <laughs> again. I didn't have a date, but I did. <laughs> I was out with the boys, and I wanted to get back and 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 see this. So, oh, oh well. Okay. <laughs> so, I think for me, um, you know, obviously, I think we've both made it clear that Ric Flair, we were our Ric Flair marks, were Ric Flair marks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, back in the day, I loved it, and I can remember when he comes out at number three, um, as Ted DiBiase had just been eliminated. Actually, I'm jumping the gun here. I'm sorry. I'm looking at two different sets of notes. (laughs) Hold that thought. Let's finish talking about the undercard. So uh, the Beverly Brothers against the Bushwhackers. uh, This, I think, was comic relief. Obviously, uh, the genius and uh, Jameson are there. But, man, this match, considering it's probably, I don't know. The Bushwhackers, they are what they are. Mm -hmm. At this time, you know, by 92, I feel like they were kind of – an older act and it was like okay this match went on i think way too long well according to wikipedia piper and the mountie went five minutes and 22 seconds mm-hmm. beverly brothers versus the bushwhackers went 14 minutes and 56 seconds yeah almost three times longer <laughs> yeah so yeah and you know I, watching this match i was thinking and you know maybe this will be a dive for next year's royal rumble episodes to me, from my memory, the Royal Rumble undercard has never really stood out, you know, other than like one or two matches. Like, and I think this year's Royal Rumble is probably one of the strongest undercards yeah. in quite some time that I can remember because I don't remember anything that happened prior to last week, except for the 92 Royal Rumble. But, you know, I, I would be curious to go back and look at all the undercards for the Rumbles and see. You know, because that's usually like your throwaway title match. You know, that's why Bob Holly got a title match against Brock Lesnar and, right. you know, all this stuff. But, uh, yeah, I think, you know, maybe because uh, Piper being a substitute for Bret Hart. But, you know, you ne- usually don't put people that are going to be in the Rumble on the undercard. Or I don't think they did a lot in the early days. So maybe that's why it's why they are a little lackluster because you're saving your star power. 
Yeah. Or, or, you know, you should be saving the people that you can conceivably see being champion now that that's a, a, a stipulation. So. Right. And this is, this is, let's note this as well. You know, I think most fans know that for a long time, it's always been whoever wins the rumble gets that championship match at WrestleMania. This is the first year that the rumble happened. This is actually the fifth Royal rumble, but the first that there's a stipulation tied to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I found it interesting, like you said, that the undercard is, is typically, and I, I do like that idea. We'll do a deeper dive into the undercard of, of the previous rumbles and, and maybe rank them and, and, and talk mm-hmm. more about that uh, next year. But the natural disasters battling the Legion of Doom for the WWF tag team titles, Hawk and Animal, again, winning the belts at SummerSlam from the Nasty Boys, I feel like with the Road Warriors or the Legion of Doom <clears throat> and even with Ric Flair and eventually Lex Luger in the Steiners and, and some of these other WCW, you know, that, that were mainstays and staples of WCW when they come into the WWF. And I don't know, again, I, I feel like it's p- kind of silly to think that Vince McMahon is purposely sabotaging things. And I think maybe that timing just doesn't always work out because as Legion of Doom came in, you know, in 1990, the dream match was for them to face Demolition. Well, Demolition, by that point, had kind of run its course, much like Hulk Hogan was kind of toward the end of his run, his first run with the WWF, when Flair comes in. So I felt like the Road Warriors, the Legion of Doom, they were kind of that uh, round – or that round – what's the phrase? The square peg trying to fit through a round hole. And it just – I don't know that they ever really fit into the WWF thing, even though they had that look. We talked about the cartoonish image of the WWF, and they had the look for it, but I just felt like, you know, they're losing by count out to the natural disasters, and then they lose the, the belts a few weeks later to Money Incorporated, Ted DiBiase and IRS, who had just formed that team. So I just felt like kind of meh with the Road Warriors run of, in the WWF. It's interesting you say that because watching this match, I kind of had the same same thought where, you know, I know the history of the Road Warriors. I know, you know, especially early 80s, you know, Crockett promotions and then um, like early nine, early WCW days because then apparently, you know, Hawk, Animal went off on his own for a little bit and Hawk was in WCW and then Hawk was gone and Animal was there. and um, But yeah, watching this match, I'm just like, I, I didn't get the nostalgia pop for the Road Warriors. You know, I was just like, oh, okay, it's, it's the Road Warriors. It's kind of like, oh, it's the natural disasters. Like, okay, cool. You know, I just, there was something missing in this match. So I agree with you on that. So this obviously now takes us to the Rumble match itself. And, you know, one of the other things I always liked about the Rumbles were mm-hmm. the Open and Vince McMahon and screaming all the names at us and, that you know they did for this one they did all the quick little uh, promos leading up to the match itself and and everybody you know vying to win uh we did have a couple of substitutions i know that uh nasty boy uh brian knobs was out due to an injury as well as um gosh 
another competitor, and I'm yeah. Uh, I know they mentioned it because I know Nikolai Volkov was one of the substitutes. Nikolai Volkov and Haku were the substitutes, and then it was it was another. It wasn't uh, you know it was somebody that you were like okay he he probably wasn't going to win, but and now I don't remember who the heck it was. And I wrote it down, and I like I said I've, I'm reading notes from two places, and I actually had three sets of notes, and I don't have it pulled up in front of me, so. I'm sure people are yelling at their listening device right now of who that person was, but uh, let us know, tweet us, or it'll come to us as we, as we go on with this. But uh, you know, I always find the, the first two combatants in the rumble and uh, you know, number one, drawing number one or number two, everybody talks about how much it sucks to draw number one. Well, it's just as shitty to draw number two because number one's not in there doing anything until number two gets there. So right. Uh, and, and in this go around, it was uh, the British Bulldog, Davy Boy Smith, and the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. Two guys who, legitimate contenders, you know, maybe Bulldog was, you know, he wins the Intercontinental title a little later this year. And of course, Ted DiBiase had that uh, really big run in 88 with Randy Savage. So uh, by 91, he's kind of tapering off and, and Sherry is his manager. Uh, walks him out to the ring, but obviously doesn't stay long because he's not in there very long. But for me, there are three or four entries into the Royal Rumble match itself that stand out to me instantly. When someone says, what's your favorite entry into the Royal Rumble? This is one of them because of the way the camera is set up. They're following Ted DiBiase because he's just been eliminated, but they are also counting down to the number three contender. And I liked that they didn't play theme music for this one. And we'll talk about that in a second too, but boom, out come the curtain. You see the black robe, the white feathers, and it's Ric Flair. And he has this stone cold look on his face, not Steve Austin, but this look on his face. Like he's like, shit, I'm number three. And I'm not, you know, I got to do this, but he's so focused. And then Bobby Heenan's reaction going nuts and gorilla monsoon saying, kiss it goodbye. It's over. I just, I get, I legitimately get goosebumps every time I watch that clip of him coming out. And I know that probably sounds really marked, <laughs> but it's true. It's one of those moments to me that defines flair in this rumble matchup, that, that look of determination on his face and knowing what he's about to go through. Uh, it just really, to me resonates. And so, uh, you know, what did you think when, what do you think about not doing the theme songs for the wrestlers as they come out? Does that hurt or help with the pop? You know, cause the other memorable one for me is Cena's return in 2008 mm-hmm. and edge in 2020 when, you know, you don't expect it and that music hits and then the crowd just goes wild. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is the evolution of the WWF WWE product is at the time they didn't have the Titan Tron. You know, guys are just coming out of a narrow curtain yeah. that only the fans that were right there by the entranceway could see until they probably got down closer to the to the ring. Yeah. And yeah, you didn't have music playing. So I I do think I think music helps get the pop when people enter enter, and especially the surprise because you know, like when Edge came back and no one you know, he'd been on the shelf for nine years. And then you hear that music and you're like, what, what's going on? You know, as opposed to just walking out and then being like, Hey, Midge, I'm back. Nice to see you. Um, So, you know, and like you said, this was the fifth rumble 
first one that had major consequence. The other ones, you know, not really. I mean, it's interesting to look at the legacy of the Rumble and see when it really started taking off as being the Royal Rumble. And um, so I think, I mean, I think had they played the music, I think Bobby Heenan would have lost it a little bit earlier because he was probably waiting, you know, having to see as well on the monitor. But um, yeah, I, I think I lost track of what your initial question was. So I'm just going to say music. Good. He flair coming out. Number three, uh, uh, my comment I was going to make to you speaking about commentary is I don't know if it's because I know the outcome now or watching it back 30 years later, nostalgia, but while I found the commentary to be good, do you feel like they, they kind of oversold flair coming in so early and having to stay and, and outlast 28 other people? Or do you think, you know, think, I mean, thinking back when this happened, our age, probably not, we're probably, you know, marking out more than we do now when we watch, because we overthink everything. Right, right. But do, yeah, do you think that, do you think if this happened today, it would have the same shock value with Flair winning? Or do you think it would have been like, oh, yeah, they, you know, they played it up so much that he wasn't going to win that they kind of foretold him winning? You know, I thought about that as, and that's a good point, because there were points when Gorilla, I felt like, was kind of beating it too much, where, you know, mm-hmm. he kept, but I think part of that, I, I think why it worked then and even today would still work if it was if it were those two doing the commentary was because I felt like Gorilla was constantly rubbing it in Heenan's nose, you know, mm-hmm. or, you know, rubbing it in his face and saying, you know, no one number one through five, and really I think you could go even deeper than that, had had been around at the end of the Rumble. And, I mean, back then that was unheard of. But now, you know, we've seen Shawn Michaels do it. We saw Chris Benoit do it. We, we you know, we've seen these other performers. Vince McMahon did it. So um, uh, I, I feel like, you know, sometimes, yeah, the commentary could be a little bit uh, – to where okay or you know to counter my own argument uh did it work because they had set the story all night long to where heenan is freaking out about flair's placement and so it just seemed natural that you know flair coming in that early of course heenan is going to freak out right yeah that's a good point and you know and i i don't think at the time you know in 1992 when i'm watching this I knew that Ric Flair had, had gone 60 minutes with, you know, guys like Bruiser Brody and Magnum TA and Dusty Rhodes, you know, he, he, a 60 minute match was not going to be outside of the realm, but as a viewer of the WWF product, you know, Bobby Heenan and Gorilla Monsoon aren't talking about those broadways that he had, right. You know, as Flair says nine times a week on his podcast, whether or not those are accurate, I don't know, but I do know that a lot of his matches ended in a 60 minute draw. So uh, yeah, I could see where the commentary, I, I think in today's world, yeah, it would. And I was watching, and as I was watching it, cause Ric Flair claims that he, and if you are living in the St. Louis area and, and heading to the Royal rumble, Ric Flair is doing a live show the night before uh, for his podcast, and they're going to talk about the Rumble as well. But, you know, he claims that he didn't know he was winning the championship until that day. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and you know again i i don't know how accurate and true that is but i feel like you know had this been in the era of social media it would have been ruined and and i feel like you know i i liked it because wrestling was a lot less predictable mm-hmm. uh back back in this time you know and you know as we mentioned flair and his run in the nwa when when some of these guys come in to the rumble match you know that are mainstay wwf guys or that have been in the wwf carrie von eric is the texas tornado greg the hammer valentine comes in you know hammer and and flair were tag team champions um in in the nwa way back when and then carrie von eric beat rick flair for the for the championship they both go after him in the match and then sid was part of the four horsemen with rick flair and they mixed it up and of course you're not going to hear any of that on commentary but for me as a fan i felt like that was kind of a wink and a nod not whether or not it really was i don't know but i feel like uh you know it 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 was kind of that throwback as well mm-hmm. yeah no it so much to unpack there. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm just going to segue into the, the star power of, yeah, of of this rumble because this is probably outside of the last, sometime in the last five years, probably the most star powered um, rumble. Um, that's the word that I'm looking for, and but again, with the the stipulation of you know, winner becomes champion. Yeah, you you know, I, I don't think anybody expected the Barbarian or Warlord to to win the the Rumble and become WWE champion. But you know, the commentary brings it up that you have Hogan, you have Savage, you have Ultimate Warrior, who are all former champions. Mm-hmm. You know, you had guys like did you say Ultimate Warrior. Uh, I did say the Ultimate Warrior. Yeah, he wasn't in there. Well, I saw him in there. Uh, he appeared in the middle of the ring, and uh, he came out and he went, <laughs> and then he ran off. And I do want to talk so, yeah. about Warrior, though. But we'll okay, I was trying to think who is the uh, Sergeant Slaughter. That's the one that I was. Sergeant Slaughter. And yeah, the, the other champion. So technically, the Undertaker. And the Undertaker, yeah. Um, you know, and you had guys like Erin Arshister, who I think, you know. I mean, you had other guys that could conceivably be a champion. I mean, maybe not IRS and that gimmick, but Mike Rotunda had been a champion, um, you know. So I think that, you know, kind of jumping ahead to, to the current Rumble, we've always kind of talked that the stipulation of winner gets a WrestleMania title match kind of eliminates usually 25 people from the roster because you know, you know, uh, I mean – example this year you know johnny knoxville is most likely not going to win unless they do some silly thing like they did in 99 where they had vince mcmahon win and then lose his you know if they put the stipulation on at the next uh pay-per-view to you know possibly lose which then devalues the whole point of doing the stipulation to begin with but that's a whole another conversation yeah i i agree with that um but, you know, like to your point, you know, Jerry Sags or Haku are not going to win uh, the WWE right. championship. But Diamond in the Rough of Shawn Michaels, you know, that he had just turned. So, 
you know, he's in there, he's, he's getting the rub. You've got, you know, mainstays like Jake the Snake Roberts and Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Uh, you know, could the Undertaker win it back? Where are they going to go with Sid Justice, you know, mm-hmm. this big giant guy? All, all were, were very plausible contenders, I think, for the championship. But, there, yeah, there were a handful that, you know, obviously you're not going to have uh, 30 guys that are, are going to walk out as, as champions. So I, I think that it was a good mix. Um, and I liked how and, – and I feel like the more successful rumbles are the ones that don't get too full too fast. Mm-hmm. And that's what obviously sets it apart from a typical battle Royal and, and kind of breaks up that monotony of a battle Royal because uh, you're able to tell different stories as the guys get knocked out of the ring. And I loved the point where everybody gets knocked out except for flair and Bobby Heenan declares him the winner and he's barely able to catch his breath and mm-hmm. the next guy comes out and it's Piper and Piper's pissed because, you know, he and Flair have this history, but he's also the intercontinental champion. So he's amped up on that. And, you know, it would have been great. It would have been a great story for Piper to win too, but you know, it just, I love that moment too, when that clock buzzes, and boom, here comes Rowdy Rowdy Piper, and he's a bat out of hell and just beating the crap out of Ric Flair uh, yeah. through the process. Uh, tangent, did you ever see the Celebrity Wife Swap episode where Piper and Flair switched wives? Yes. How staged do you think that show was? Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, totally agree. More oh. or less than wrestling? <laughs> yes. I would say probably <laughs> right on the same page, maybe a little more even. Uh, um, yeah, I think – you know, and I had the pleasure, I say pleasure, of uh, seeing Great American Bash 97, which we were just talking about earlier when we were discussing Mortis and Chris Canyon, because uh, I met Mortis outside the hotel at the event. Uh, but that was what uh, the match where Flair and Piper teamed up to take on, I think it was Scott Hall in six. Yeah. Uh, and then that's where Flair ran off to chase six to the back and Piper got beat. And so that started their feud in WCW. Uh, I had a front row seat, did not see anything after the first match because people came in and stood in front of us. Still kind of irritated about that. Uh, 25 years later. Mm. Anyway, back to the rumble. Uh, yeah, it's uh, Piper and Flair. And like you said, Piper and Flair had this history from, you know, all over the place. And, but you're not, you don't know about it unless you are a, you know, diehard wrestling fan that was reading the aftermags at the time. And um, I don't know if Davey Meltzer had his um, newsletter going at the time, probably, but yeah, it was I wasn't reading it. Yeah. <laughs> Neither was I. <laughs> uh, well, you know, you brought him up earlier and I did, I did have him on the rundown, if you will, uh, the ultimate warrior uh, very famously, rocks or runs out of the WWF after the main event of SummerSlam 1991 um, and seemingly is gone. You know, we, we, this is in the era of the, of the big four pay-per-view. So survivor series rolls around, he's not there. And of course uh, the Royal rumble comes around and he's not there for that either. Let's do some hypothetical talk here. Ultimate warrior presumably would have been in the rumble match itself as as one of the uh, 30 competitors for the for the championship 
Where does he fit into all of this, though? I mean, obviously, I, I think they still go with Flair winning it, but then what happens with Warrior at WrestleMania? Because you've got all of these baby faces, and does Sid Justice, you know, the end of, of Survivor, or I'm sorry, the end of SummerSlam is, you know, Warrior chasing off the heels into the locker room and Hulk Hogan and Sid, who was the special guest referee, posing in the middle of the ring. Were we already setting up for, because we knew Flair was coming. They were talking about Flair at SummerSlam. Mm -hmm. I, I just wonder, WrestleMania six months down the road, were we already planting the seeds for Hogan and Sid? And were they not even going to try Flair and Hogan, even though that's probably, to my to me, that still would have been the better matchup? Or, you know, Warrior sticks around, does he face off with Sid and we get Hogan Flair still at WrestleMania? And then what do you do with Randy Savage? So there's a lot of variables. And I feel like the one side of the card was, was over, you know, the, the baby face, the good guy side was, was outnumbering the, uh, the heel side of things. And, you know, the Undertaker's thrown into the mix and, and turns good during the course of this. And uh, I, I feel like the ultimate Warriors absence kind of played a, an impact and made a role, but I, I would be curious to see what would have happened with him because he, of course, shows up at the end of WrestleMania 8 with uh, saving Hulk Hogan from Sid and Papa Shango. If I were Dr. Strange, I would look at all the different multiverses to see what <laughs> had happened. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah I, I mean, you know, it's also you open up the query of, you know, if, if the click didn't do the, the curtain call and then Hunter didn't get uh, taken away, taken out of the King of the ring 96, giving stone cold the win, he never would have uttered Austin three sixteen most likely. Right. How does that affect WWE? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I think we could do like Marvel has their what if series. Maybe that'll be a feature that we can explore sometime, but to answer your what if on this one, if warrior was around, yeah, I, you know, I, I think you probably would have, well, you also have to take into consideration the rumor or fact or story that Hogan and Flair were fighting on house shows and apparently the matches weren't very good. And that's why Vince decided not to put that on as the WrestleMania main event. Mm -hmm. Um, because I would say if warrior was still there, given what happened after SummerSlam, I think you would have gone Sid versus warrior. Yeah. Um, does anybody want to see that match? I mean, as a kid, yes, because these two larger than life people as an older adult now who can appreciate the skill of wrestling, does anybody want to watch Sid and warrior try to wrestle? Probably not, but I think that would have been the logical logical match, but then where does Savage, you know, right. like you said, where does Savage come into play? Do you um, have him and Jake feud again and draw that out? Or, you know, I mean, you could, again, if you're serious about um, pushing Shawn Michaels, maybe he, that could be a good starting off point for his singles career. Yeah. But Yeah, I like that. So do you, because obviously also I think that, something that played a factor in the decision to not do Hogan and Flair. Mm -hmm. Traditionally speaking, WrestleMania, actually up until WrestleMania 2000, the main event ends with the babyface winning, mm -hmm. whether it's winning the championship, whether it's Hulk Hogan and Mr. T winning, 
that first uh, tag team matchup. The good guys win, and we go home happy. Knowing that Hulk Hogan left and was gone for, gosh, up until January of 1993 when he returns to Raw to set up the, the feud with Money Incorporated with Brutus Beefcake, Were they, did they get cold feet? Did they know that, okay, Hulk wants to take a rest. He's not coming back. It makes no sense to put the title on him. Uh, and we don't want this match, this night to end. I don't think they were ready to make that move of the heel, Ric Flair, winning the championship match at WrestleMania and sending the fans home upset and not knowing whether or not Hulkamania is really coming back or not. Could they have done a switch? Because obviously, if you go back and watch the original cut of this and not what's been edited, edited, when Sid throws Hogan out, the fans cheer. Yeah. And when Flair wins the match, the fans cheer. When Hogan pulls Sid out, the fans boo. I feel like this was the early planting of the uh, – we've had enough of Hulkamania. You know, it's been eight years. Mm -hmm. We're ready for something else. Uh, right. Could they have done the double turn and Flair go into WrestleMania as the good guy and Hogan the bad guy? And then, you know, we talk about what if. I think mm -hmm. that severely lessens the impact of the New World Order four years later in, in WCW. Well, yeah. uh, true. But, and I try to rack my brain, was Flair ever a face prior to this? I mean, did in he w have in WCW? He was in WCW before the in '89. You did. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, team is, yeah that's right. Um, yeah, Ed, are you familiar with the, the uh, web series Zach Morris is trash? Yes. Okay, Hulk Hogan is trash. <laughs> okay, you know I have said on this show before. The only time I cheered Hulk Hogan was WrestleMania one, and that's because I hated Roddy Piper so much because Piper was awesome at his job, and ten-year-old me didn't understand. Right. Sad, sorry, sore loser Hulk Hogan gets dumped over the top rope by Sid, and then instead of acknowledging he lost and walking back, has to get involved and pull Sid out of the match. Um don't really know what my point is other than the fact that Hulk Hogan is trash is what I'm trying to say. And I've been on that bandwagon way before the social media came around sure. and, you know, um, so I think, you know, even though, yes, we wanted flair versus Hogan at mania. Uh, I was not disappointed that uh, Hogan was not going to be getting the championship back at WrestleMania. Cause I still um, had had cried tears when he beat Randy Savage at WrestleMania five. I thought for sure Savage was going to win. What a mark. And, um, but yeah, I don't know, you know, could you have turned Hogan heel? And it's, it's an interesting quandary to, to think about. And, and I think like you said, it had, he been a heel in WWF by the time he comes into WCW, if he comes into WCW, which I'm, given all the other backstage stuff that was going on, I'm sure he probably still would have yeah. made it there. But yeah, I don't think it would have been, like you said, as impactful for the NWO because what made the NWO successful, in my opinion, is the fact that it was the number one top wrestling baby face in the last 20 years. Right. You know, it'd be like Bruno Sammartino coming in in 1984 and uh, starting it. 
Yeah. Uh, probably earlier than 84, because I think Bruno was way past his prime by then. But you get my point that, right, right. Uh, yeah, you know, the, all the other names that have been thrown about as the third man in the NWO, uh, even Sting, I don't think would have worked because it just wasn't, you know, it's, I mean, it's, it's like Tom, H- when, when people finally realize that Tom Hanks is a serial killer, that's going to shock a lot of people. <laughs> Disclaimer, Tom Hanks is not a serial killer, <laughs> or at least we have no evidence at this time to say that he is a serial killer. No credible evidence. Let's no put credible. it that way. <laughs> but so, you know, obviously the outcome, mm-hmm. I, I, and I'm trying to remember this portion of it because again, I was in college and was watching sporadically but enough to keep up with the stories i remember the magazine cover with rick flair and then the contenders that they were because they were trying to determine then who was going to be the number one contender at wrestlemania and i feel like there was a press conference on superstars or wrestling challenge with jack tunney and he announces that it's going to be hulk hogan and that sets sid off and everybody you know because it was sid piper savage undertaker and Hogan were the five contenders. So somewhere along the way though, I guess it was the tag team match on that Saturday night's main event that you mentioned before. It was Hogan and Sid Mm -hmm. against Undertaker and Ric Flair. And again, the tension happens and whatnot. And at some point we pivot and go with Hogan and Sid and then Savage and Flair. And then it's the whole, Miss Elizabeth doctored photos and that story, which I thought was good, but I still, I'm still disappointed that we didn't get Hogan and Flair. And I mean, obviously it's 30 years later, get over it. But (laughs) I think that uh, again, that just throws everything. If we've got, if we would have had Hogan and Flair, it throws everything else kind of out of kilter because I think Hogan and Sid was something that fans wanted to see in terms of, you know, we were used to Hogan and Andre and Hogan and big John stud and, you know, Hogan and the bigger yeah the monster monster heel opponent so and Sid was I mean Jesus he was a monster going Mm -hmm. back and looking at him I'm like he was just you know because you know Andre the Giant or King Kong Bundy or Big John you know they were either fat or out of shape or just you know they were big and bad but man Sid was like Hulk Hogan mass and and you know that strength and whatnot so he posed a credible threat now putting sid with harvey whippleman <laughs> I, I was not a fan of that but again this is you know 92 i feel like is that era where not only is hulkamania going away but mm-hmm. we're losing out you know the managers that we knew and loved they're all kind of fading out or transitioning and going you know jimmy hart is still around but it just, it's, I feel like 92 was the transition year where things start changing and then 93 and on, it really, in my opinion, starts that uh, downhill slide until we hit 96 again. Yeah. That's, that's interesting because, you know, when I started podcasting four years ago, um, did when I was just doing random shows, we did a three-part episode on the music of 1991 and how that was a changing time, um, in, in music and it'd be interesting to go back and look at history at look at wrestling look at film look at to see if there was a seismic change throughout all yeah. entertainment of um things but but i agree in 92 yeah you have 90 you know 92 to 94 when you have hogan leaving wwf which is a huge blow um 
you know, if, if that doesn't happen, does WCW ever become a major promotion? Because right. again, you're stealing the number one wrestler in the world, uh, probably not in the world, but in America, at least, right, right. um, you know, but going back to, to Hogan and Flair, you know, as a Flair Mark, I'm glad now looking back that we didn't get Hogan Flair at WrestleMania. So I didn't have to see Flair job out to Hogan. I had to wait two more years till he did that like every month in WCW. Uh, but, um, and I, you know, I think Flair and Savage probably would have had a better match, had a better match than we would have. And it goes to your, what you were saying that I think with Hogan and WrestleMania, you're used to seeing with the exception of the Savage year. And, and I guess to an extent, Sergeant Slaughter, which was a, you know, weird tr- trying to tie in real life into into wrestling too but you're used to hogan versus the monster i mean that was the formula and that you know that's why when hogan went to wcw they tried to redo it with the dungeon of doom and it's like oh let's do, and it just didn't work because kind of like you said there's been a shift now in cultural perception in what fans want you know we're tired of seeing the same thing which still doesn't explain why gray's anatomy is entering its 19th season but yeah i i, I don't think I think Sid versus Hogan was probably the best at that time you could do to have a enjoyable WrestleMania match with Hogan. Yeah. Unless you put him against the Undertaker again. But right. then again, we'd already just seen that and you want something fresh. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, all great uh, points and, and friends. As you're listening to this, if you were around in the early 90s and watching WWF or watching wrestling, let us know what you think or go back and, and watch. And, you know, this this time period is I, I love this time period. It's it's uh, again that nostalgia. But I, I do feel like maybe a deep deeper dive on the transitional times of wrestling is is, is in order as well, because I do I think that we could could make some great points that 91 and 92 were really those years that kind of really started that whole pivot uh, and shift for things. Is there anything else, Chad, uh, you want to bring up before we wrap up this week's episode? Um, no, I, I was trying to think if there's anything about this year's Royal Rumble. I, I'm disappointed. You know, it is in St. Louis. I missed the last Rumble that was in St. Louis. I was hoping to be able to, uh, you know, come back and that's because we have not been to a wrestling show and, Quite some time together, but uh, our applications to be seat fillers did not go through, I guess. So, be watching at home. Uh, I will say, you know, real quick, just uh, as the the last question of the episode, and you know, people can answer this on social media as well. With them doing a women's and men's Royal Rumbles now, we've seen WrestleMania is being split into two nights as a thing that seems to be going forward. Do you think it's time for the Royal Rumble to be split over two nights and do the men's rumble one night and the women's rumble on an, on the other night? It's a good question. It is a good question. I I don't know that I'm ready for big pay-per-views to be split into two nights. Uh, I, I do understand. Yeah. Premier live events. Sorry. Sorry. Good point. Get your um, verbiage correct. Yes. I do need to work on that. Um but I, I get your point, you know, two 60 minute plus matches uh, and then the undercard, you know, cause, and like I said, this year, the undercard is stacked. And I do wish that I was going to the rumble this year. I I'm not 
for no other reason other than I just <laughs> didn't get tickets, not motivated. I don't know, but I was there 10 years ago. It was 10 years ago this year that oh, wow. it was in St. Louis. So, uh, and that was the year that Seamus won, but, uh, uh, you want to you want to throw a, a guess out, a prediction out to who you think is going to win the, the Royal Rumble? I my dream scenario is Big E wins, and then he dethrones Roman Reigns at Mania, and oh. then you put the New Day back on, you know, together on SmackDown. Um, but I don't think that's actually going to happen. I mean, if Big E wins, I think he'll challenge Bobby Lashley, who will have beaten Brock Lesnar for the title somehow I think Brock and Reigns are going to intertwine and mm-hmm. whatnot. But, uh, but yeah, I would like to see Big E win if it's not going to be Johnny Knoxville. Yeah. I, I right now I'm kind of leaning that way. Where are you on the women's match? Uh, I would go Bianca Belair and give her some redemption for the horrible way that she lost. Or did she win the rumble last year? Didn't she? She did win it last year. Yeah. yeah. Then no. Uh, I am going with, I think I have to go with my girl, Summer Rae. Just, uh, this will be the start of her comeback tour. Um, I find it interesting, though, that Charlotte Flair is in the Rumble and is the SmackDown Women's Champion. Yeah. Well, look at the number of women on the main roster. And- True. But I feel like something's up with that. So it'll be interesting to see. And it is the 30-year anniversary of her old man winning it. So mm. just saying. I could see something going on there, but I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. No, that's a good point. And I could see, well, I mean, if, if Flair wasn't, if Rick wasn't kind of person non grata mm-hmm. at the moment with fans, I could see that happening, but that's true. That's a good point. Who knows? That is a good point. All right, my friend, thank you so much right. for joining again. Follow Chad at Chad smart on Twitter. And uh, you can see our daily Twitter insults <laughs> to one another. It's, it's a good time. I am at Kevin Huntsberger and it is at my one, two, three cents friends. Again, thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the rumble or the Royal rumble, I guess is a week after next. So uh, enjoy watching the countdown to the Royal rumble <laughs> on uh, Peacock and whatnot, and have a great week. This is a production of the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network. For more jittery shenanigans, go to jitterymonkey.com. Jittery Monkey.